Hello, Twisted listeners. We are here today with Nikki Padron-Glass, and she is here to talk to us about leaving education and her journey to where she is now. So um, I'm really excited to hear everything she's been up to and especially what she's doing now. She's going to have some tips for transitioning teachers, I believe, for mental health type things, right? Yes, All right, very interested too. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Jen and Kim. This is such an honor. Um, I love this podcast. I think you're both inspirational, and I'm very excited to be here. So Aww, thank you for having thank me. You. Thank you. Totally happy We're to excited have you. too. Yeah, so tell us, I guess maybe we usually just kind of start with like your origin story into education and then like what you left education, obviously. So kind of like that part of your story first, and then we'll dive into what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah. So I was a teacher for 11 years, most of the time in the States, but I also taught one year in Colombia, South America, and two years in Spain. So I've kind of been all over the place. Um, In the States, I taught Spanish. So I taught Spanish for, I think, eight years total. In Colombia, I taught math and dance, actually. And in Spain, I taught English. So yeah, wow. mostly languages are my, have been my um, expertise. I'm also endorsed in theater and school counseling. So kind of a mix wow. of different um, interests and passions. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so you left, you taught for 11 years. You were kind of all over. Where was your last year teaching? Were you in the States or were you somewhere else? So the bulk of my teaching was in the States um, in an elementary school that feeds into Stevenson High School, which is a big high school that's about 45 minutes north of Chicago. Um, okay. So I taught Spanish for third through fifth graders there. That was the seven years. And I was also mm-hmm. the co-president of the teachers union. So that was the bulk oh. of my teaching experience here in the U.S. And that's, was that where you were when you left teaching? Yes, yes. it is. And actually, okay. it was a scary time because it was during the pandemic. It was... Mm literally spring of 2020 when I decided to leave my teaching position. I was tenured. I was very comfortable. It's a great district. Um, But I just knew that I needed something else. I knew that the world was calling me. And even though it was a scary time in the world, there was just something in my gut that said, you need to go explore. You're not done. You can't be here till you die. Like a lot of teachers feel like they have to be. So I didn't want to be stuck. And I decided um, that I would move to Spain and I would teach English for a couple of years. Oh, how that sounds! That sounds like something super exciting, and I could see Kim doing that. Kim, um, (laughs) I can totally see Kim doing that. She um, speaks Italian, and I did. did. She can she can handle herself in Spanish. She, at least, she used to be able to handle herself in Spanish. We taught at a very um, diverse school, and she was able to use her Italian to help herself. She basically self-taught herself Spanish, so yeah. But well, I can I see some, her. I've taken some, but I um, that was my degree, so I, I think the only reason I did it is so I could go to Italy for the summer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was it was fun, and I was fluent at one time, and I was proficient in Spanish. But if you don't use it, wow. it's gone. So I understand, but it's for me to get into a conversation would be not good. But that's so exciting. Dropping is what you do. Yeah, I do. I, especially <laughs> with the kids, they don't think they don't think I understand what they're saying in front of me and the high school kids. And then I tell them I understand what you're saying in Spanish, and they are I like, "You hear them? 
Yeah. They, they like to, they like, like doing that. They do. They're like, Oh, Oh crap. I'm just like, yeah. So I've done that. That's oh, fun. That's fun with high school kids. <laughs> so when you decided to leave education all together, what did you do next? Yeah. So when I went to Spain, um, I actually met my now husband there and we decided that we both wanted careers in which we could hop back and forth between here and Spain. So that was the main reason. Um, teachers have summers, which is amazing, but there's not a lot of, there's really no flexibility during the school year. So if we ever wanted to travel or be with his family mm-hmm. for a couple weeks or a couple months, we couldn't do that. So we decided we'd both get jobs that were remote. Um, so at that point, that was spring of 2022. Yeah. Okay. When we moved back to the States after two years in Spain, and I decided that I was going to look for something that could be remote. So I kind of have had settled on ed tech sales was my goal. Um, and I started the job search. Actually, Jen, you were an incredible source and support throughout that job search. It was very tough. And we'll talk about some strategies you can use if and when you are in that place. Um, but I just started really kind of hardcore networking and connecting with other teachers that had left the classroom. And there is a big community out there. So you don't feel so alone. And everyone has really, really great advice. So my first tip is to rely on other teachers that have done the same. Because Jen, you were so supportive. You, mm-hmm. I never had to follow up with you. You would continue to reach out. I mean, that was it. Really meant a lot. So that was that was the first thing I did when I got back. Started looking for ed tech sales roles. And then, do you have like a you? Obviously, you're a th- is, therapist. Is that the right? Is that what I? Is that what you're called? A therapist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically what happened was I did a job search. Um, I ended up at a company, an ed tech company, um, not in a sales role, but in a different role. I'm still on the sales team. And I was there for about six months. And a long time ago, I think about seven years ago, I had gotten a master's in counseling because I thought nice. I wanted to be a school counselor. So if I was mm-hmm. a Spanish teacher at a high school, I thought, okay, this would be a nice transition yeah. to eventually That's great. transition to a school counselor. It's the same degree as a therapist, just a counselor, a licensed professional counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think I'd ever use it to be a therapist, but there was always that option. And about six months into working at this ed tech company, a private practice out and they said, are you looking for a therapy role? And I thought this is something that could allow me the flexibility of working remote. So my husband and I could do what we set out to do, which was be able to pop back between here and Spain. So I started therapy just nights and weekends. I still had my full-time job at the ed tech company um, back in April. And I did that throughout the summer. And then finally, on August 1st, I let the ed tech company know that I wanted to go down to part-time. So now I work for them 20 hours a week and I'm doing therapy part-time, building up my kind of clientele. I have about 20 clients now. It's been a really amazing experience. I love and enjoy working with people in that capacity. And uh, yeah, I feel really blessed to have gotten here, even though it's not the plan that I set out to to go. No, and it sounds kind of perfect for you. Um, and it's, it's perfect for the need. People, we need more therapists who have been in education and who understand. I don't know if you're, is your clientele mine, mainly transitioning teachers or is it just in general? Yeah. So right now I have mostly, I would say young adults, like 18 to 40. I do have a couple kids. I have a couple couples. Um, so a little bit of everything. And I have learned so much from everyone. 
I am specifically looking for if, you know, any teachers are looking for a therapist. I think because I've been down that road, it's really easy to relate and connect about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do have a little bit of everything. A lot of people struggling with thoughts of like worthlessness or hopelessness, anxiety and depression, kind of these things that we all deal with on a daily basis, even if we're not a 10 out of 10, but we're somewhere on this scale of feeling some kind of, you know, despair. And I think it would be so helpful to have a therapist who understood, like, I feel like just the general public doesn't understand what teachers like struggle with, quote unquote. So having a therapist who really not only, obviously, empathy is part of being a therapist, but beyond empathy, like actually has walked the walk, talked the talk, knows what you're talking about and I can see that being really helpful. So you were talking um, about there's some tips for transitioning teachers to keep in mind as they're transitioning. And you just mentioned the first one, right? Having a good network. 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 Yeah. So um, yeah, if you'll just keep on telling us the, the tips and how you discovered them and what you, yeah, your thoughts. Yeah. Um, so some of them are more kind of practical and just related to exiting teaching and some of them are more therapy related. So maybe we're, mm-hmm. we'll start off with the therapy ones. This okay. is something that I talk to my clients all the time is that when we have a feeling, so especially when you're leaving teaching, you have this influx of a whole variety of feelings. Maybe there's some anger or frustration about how long it's taking to get a job. Maybe there's some pain about why you're leaving education. Maybe you felt like it wasn't that what you had set out for and you were disappointed in whatever ended up happening while you were teaching. Um, there could be some shame sometimes about leaving education. I've talked to teachers who feel like they're letting society down or the kids were relying on them. Yep. So there's a lot of feelings that go with leaving education and a ton of feelings that go with starting a job search And the first thing we talk about therapy is what we do as humans is we put up this wall in order to protect ourselves. So if you think about the feelings as kind of standing outside the office door, if you push it, if you block it and you don't let the feelings in, the feelings end up lingering longer as opposed to if you open the door, if you say, okay, heartbreak, okay, guilt, okay, shame, come on in, let's have a seat. And you look at it in the face and you acknowledge it and you truly allow yourself to feel it, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's crying or journaling or talking about it, but you really let yourself feel it, it will actually let its way out much quicker than if you try to block it from entering. That is true. Very true. But a lot of teachers, I mean, if, if we're talking about everybody, but a lot of teachers, like you said, they feel shame. Um, they're connected to their retirement and their insurance. And the things keeping them in are not really the things that should be keeping them in. And it, it is, it's, a, it's like a free fall. Like teachers only think they can teach and that's the only thing they're good at because that's basically what we are. It, it's inferred, right? It's implied. And um, so, yeah, I think what you're saying is, is spot on. And I think you would be so good. Gosh, I've always said we need a therapist for teachers in the school. I mean, we, we do. We really do. I yeah, totally agree. I think every therapist. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jen? I was just going to say just as much as we need guidance counselors for mm-hmm. kids, yeah. there are a number of teachers who are going through 
things as well. Lots of things. And the other thing too is a lot of teachers have so, especially our age, um, kind of upper middle age, I don't know what it's called, but you start taking (laughs) care of your elder parents, you're paying for college, you've got, like, there's a lot of other things that I'm seeing just in my age group that teachers are having their parents move in with them. And it's not just, it's quite a few, or they have to go visit their parents over the breaks or, um, and it's hard, it's really hard. So that you're taking care of your students or taking care of your parents and you're trying to um, fight imposter syndrome while dealing with parents and the curriculum and grading and being in that mold that has been created for you. So. Teachers endure so many different things. And I think that's one of the things that make us so strong and so valuable to society is we have all these incredible skills. Sometimes you just don't know where to place those skills and it can feel really scary leaving when you don't have a clear path. And I think the greatest Mm -hmm. gift for teachers is clarity. Once you do leave and you figure out what it is you want to do, and that doesn't mean it has to be permanent, but at least being able to see the path is having this cloud over you. You might be in the cloud phase right now and just knowing that it's going to end, move through it, be kind to yourself. A lot of times in therapy, we talk about the world is judging us. We don't also need to be judging ourselves. So being really gentle and even physically like giving ourselves a hug and physically rubbing our shoulders and saying, you are doing a good job because a lot of times we don't get that from the outside world. What other what other tips and advice goes along with that? Yeah, I think besides reaching out to former teachers who have left education, allowing your feelings to be felt, um, something that's a more practical tip is, and actually something that I hadn't done until recently, is call your TRS, your teacher's retirement system, just so you are aware of where you are. Um, like I said, I didn't do this till recently, until after I left. I found out that I actually only have a year and a half left until the minimum number of years where I can start collecting a pension. So I think at one point, at some point, I will go back either into the classroom or become a guidance counselor in order to fulfill that. But I think that is something that we, a step that a lot of people miss as I did. And it's just something that I would recommend before leaving is call your TRS, the Teacher's Retirement System of Illinois was really kind on the phone. I didn't have to jump through hoops and press one and press five and listen to a menu. I talked to someone right away. They did a lot of calculations for me and they were extremely helpful. So that is um, just a personal tip that that I would have liked to have done at the start. I check mine like weekly, hoping that it changes. (laughs) (laughs) I do. They know me. They like Kim's logging in again. (laughs) That's very practical advice though. It is practical advice. It's, yeah, because a lot of people, they do, but they don't understand. Like you said, you you know that to collect that, you need to go back and you need to, it's in some in some capacity. Yeah, and it was interesting. They even said, you know, subbing counts. And even if, for example, at the high schools, if you do one period of subbing per day, that counts as a day of service. So I could decide that I just wanted to do one hour or, you know, half days in the morning subbing for a year and a half over the next however many years. And that would actually count. So these were things that I never would have known had I not called and they were very important. Okay. Can I ask how that makes you feel? Like, how do you feel about knowing that you somehow have to do, I mean, you you don't have to, I guess, but you'd be giving up that pension. How does that make you feel? Like, I think if you told me right now that I needed to do 
something for a year and a half back in education, I would not be happy. So, (laughs) yeah, I think it depends a lot on our motives for leaving. I think because I didn't leave feeling burned, like a lot of teachers do or overly exhausted, I feel okay about it. Actually, there are parts of education that I miss. Um, Working from home is a blessing. It's also very isolating. So from, for someone who is very social and very extroverted, I do find that challenging at times. So like I said, because my motives were really, we want to be able to find something that's flexible and not, I am leaving something that burned me in some way. I'm, I, I feel okay about it. I'm, you know, there's actually a piece of me that's excited and this won't be anytime soon, but you know, at some point it is something that I'll consider doing. Yeah. Well, and I think like knowing that the sub subbing days would work for you, I'd be, you could do that and then be like, no, I need three weeks off because we're going to Spain. You yeah. Know? That's, and then, that's absolutely. God. It might take you three years to get that year and a half, yes. you know, but <laughs> that would, the flexibility it. it would allow you would be great. I think that's exactly. the thing is the, the lack of flexibility, you know, with teachers writing sub plans. I mean, I know we've all gone to work basically in our deathbeds because I'm not writing sub plans because number one, they may not read them or they're not, it's, it's just more stress. So a lot of people go in sick. They really do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I heard, um, I was talking to some teachers from a previous school recently that I taught at and they were saying that the principal had a big meeting with them and was like, um, we are, Compared to previous years, like 400% over the amount of sub days that we've used thus far this year. And um, wow. it's wow. it's partially because people are starting to hear people like us say, don't work beyond contract. If you're right. sick, really take off. But it's if you need a mental health day, take it. And then it's kind of creating this impact that, you know. I certainly never gave that advice to try and bankrupt the school district, right? Like it was take care no, of yourself. We want but. teachers to to feel good in their skin and, and in their jobs. You know, we don't want like it's kind of one of those things that you're on autopilot after a while where you're just like, oh, here we go again. I, I know. And I've talked about my last year in elementary school. <clears throat> it was awful. It was absolutely the worst year. And I would sit in my car every morning. I would do deep breathing. I would say it's one fewer day. I've got this, you know, and it was so bad on so many levels. I just, I, I literally did quit one day because of an email I got. I mean, I came back the same day, but I was like, (laughs) I just said, I'm done. Like I, I pour my heart into everything. I'm filling buckets everywhere, but my own. And I had, a good administrator who was like, do what you need to do and supported me. Had I not had that administrator support me, I would probably be somewhere else at Target or whatever doing something else. So it was, I'd never gotten to that point where I just, I was like, I, what am I doing? Like I am a negative energy balance in my life. Like it's negative. And I'm, I'm trying to do all these things and please everybody. And I just remember sitting in my car, just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? So, I mean, eventually things worked out. I got to the high school and I'm, I'm happy with my job now and I'm an instructional coach, but th- there's nothing more debilitating than that feeling. And you have to then get in front of children and then you have to then talk to adults and you have to present yourself in a way where you're okay when inside you're crumbling. So I, I think, 
you know, a lot of jobs are not performance-based. I do believe teaching is performance-based. And if you have to get in and pretend you're something you're not, it's just, it, it just is hard. So I think your position, if you were able to, you know, have more teachers in this situation, that's what we needed. Had I had somebody like you come in and say, hey, let's take a deep breath. Let's look at reality. Is this one parent really going to cause you to lose your career? You know, things like that. Um, I think as I've been really thinking about what teachers have to do every day and how much they have to hide every single day. Yeah. I think the job of being a teacher is like 18 million jobs in one. And I think teachers do so much to put on a happy face, to be present for their students but ultimately you have to be aligned with you and you have to feel connected to who you are. And no matter what career you're in, if you no longer feel connected to yourself, you know, it's time for a change. And I think it takes people like Jen and Kim, like you guys to say it is scary, but it's also brave and the right thing to do to find what makes you aligned to you. And I think that's the message that I would want to leave all teachers with is Make sure that you're connected to yourself because if you're not connected to yourself, no one else will be for you. Right. Mm. I always say take care of yourself because really nobody else is going to do it for you. You have to figure those things out. So what are some other tips that you would give? Because you're so we've we've had a lot of people on to give like tactical tips to the things that they need to physically do. But you're kind of combining your tips to connecting that to the mental health. So yes. it, what are what are some other ideas and thoughts that you have? Yeah. So a lot of times when we leave education or anytime we're in a job search, um, we do something called catastrophizing. So we think, okay, if I don't get a job within the next three months, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent or my mortgage. If I don't pay my rent or my mortgage, I'm going to be evicted. If I'm an evicted, I'm going to be homeless. So it's kind of taking this really small task that we need to do and blowing it out of proportion and making it the worst case scenario. And all humans do this. It's not wrong. Sometimes it's just part of how we think. So my tip is just to very kindly examine our thoughts. Sometimes we talk about a remote control and pressing pause, just like if we were watching TV, we press pause on the remote. So listening to your thoughts, pressing pause, and very gently examining them checking them out and saying, I am giving this worst case scenario, this thought a lot of weight. Is there a possibility in which I give the other options or possibilities weight? So what is the other possibility? The other possibility is I don't get a job in the next three months in the role that is my, what I think is my dream role, but I end up doing something different, which was my case, for example. And maybe I really find a calling in that other thing, even though I didn't know that was something I wanted. And that is a real possibility. So just thinking about like, I have five different options. How do I give all these options or possibilities the same weight that I give the worst one? And very gently, not judging myself for catastrophizing, but trying to understand that my mind is going only with this one possibility. Can I give all these other possibilities the same weight as I give the worst case scenario? Yes. And I think it depends like, right on how you leave. Like I was still teaching mm-hmm. and left teaching, like broke my contract because I did get a job. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of teachers um, are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to find a job to, that will start during those summer months. And I think mm-hmm. that's 
unreasonable because the rest of corporate America does not hire on a school year summer type of a schedule and the right position might happen at any point in time. If you're going to leave the catastrophizing, I can see that happening. Like what happens if I don't get a job this summer? I think that's where a lot of it comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it depends on if you've already broken your contract, already stepped away from teaching, or are you still teaching, right? Like, are you teaching until, or are you in a situation where you had to leave for your mental health? Like I wasn't in an emergency situation when I left. I just started exploring and, you know, got lucky, I guess you would say. That's what you were, because you were not desperate. You, you had, you gave the time and you, you had the patience and you did your due diligence with st- studying and, and making yourself familiar with the system and getting your resume. Look. I, so, so you did that. You, you, the time wasn't a factor. You were not in a hurry. You weren't um, in such a state of education and teaching that you just had to flee. So that I had to leave. Huge, right. That's a huge factor. I think people are waiting. Like when you start having inklings, like I don't, because I know for me, I know I feel every day there's something else out there for me. Like I feel that all the time. And, but, you know, once you start feeling that and you know that you're in a decent space, that's probably the time to start looking because it's going to take a while to get in your niche or where you want to go or to at least upskill or at least to take some courses on how to move yourself into the right direction. Yeah. And I think you're right, Jen. We all enter or, or leave education in different ways. And I guess catastrophizing is something that we can use in any context, in any scenario, mm-hmm. in any situation. So whether you're a teacher that is leaving without something lined up or you're taking your time and you find something and then you leave education, just kind of listening to your thoughts, it's metacognition, right? So we're yeah. listening and checking out and examining our thoughts without judgment. And I think that's the piece that's hard for all of us is we think, why am I having these thoughts? I am quote unquote bad because I'm having these thoughts and understanding that thoughts are thoughts and they're just part of being human and Mm -hmm. every thought is okay. So just trying to be really gentle with yourself and understanding you can have a thought and not give it weight. You can allow it to be a fleeting thought and leave. And there's something freeing of knowing that a thought doesn't have to be so heavy that it can just be Mm -hmm. something that enters your mind and leaves as quick as yeah. you want it to. I love that. I um, I would say my biggest negative thoughts, my negative thoughts centered around like, what are people going to think of me from leaving? Mm-hmm. And I had been a teacher for so long. I thoroughly 100% identified like, I'm, I'm Jennifer, I'm a teacher. Yes. Mm-hmm. And even, even to this day, if you're like, if I'm introducing myself, I'm I'm Jennifer. Um, I taught for an entire lifetime and then I transitioned Mm. into HR technology. I still identify as a teacher and I think I was really worried about what my parents, my students, my my teachers, my colleagues would think of me. It didn't have any like ramifications like rent or not being able to pay my mortgage. It was much more about what people would think about me. And finally, I mean, I really, I think what helped is that I had so many colleagues that were supportive and Mm -hmm. I had um, parents who reached out and were like, 
literally you just taught my child the best lesson that you Mm -hmm. ever could have taught them that you have to do what's right for you. And like, we're a big proponent of, you know, of that in our, in our household. And although we are really sad, you're not going to be his teacher for the last six weeks. We're really proud of you. And so it's, but if I hadn't had that parent, like, right, I might have still been giving weight to that thought. But you're right. I think there is a lot of, like we said before, guilt and shame and just feeling judgment. And I think there's two separate issues here. One is our identity and the other one is judgment from others. And I think even if we've left education, we can always identify as educators because educator just means that in some capacity you're educating, whether that's as a parent whether you're educating your friends on something. And I think all of us educators might continue to be part of our our identity. So if we think about it in terms of gaining new skills and gaining a piece of our identity instead of losing this piece, maybe that would put us at ease in knowing that this is is not going to fade. We're still always going to be educators. It just looks a little bit differently now. You're just wearing a new hat. The costume is still in the closet. But you happen to be wearing a different costume today. I like that. Definitely like that. Yes. What, yeah. what else? What are your, keep sharing your knowledge with us because it's really making me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sometimes in cognitive behavioral therapy, well, not sometimes, all the time, we talk about the relationship between thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And we touched on thoughts and emotions. So all emotions are valid they're all okay. They're all good. Even if they don't feel good and they're scary to experience, they are valid. Um, Thoughts often contribute to our emotions. So thoughts are something that we have touched on that you can examine. And we can also pause and try to challenge gently. So if you're noticing you're having negative thoughts over and over and over again, and this is preventing you from being able to feel inspired or or feel kind of positive emotions, we can say, okay, thought, I'm hearing you, I see you, I'm going to press pause, and I'm going to very gently challenge you. Um, So that's kind of another way to look at it from a different angle. It's just to say, got it, thought, you're okay, but can I look at this from a different light? So the third piece of our triangle, besides thoughts and emotions, is behaviors. And sometimes in order to make ourselves feel better, like be able to live with those emotions, we do have to change our behavior. And that's kind of the piece that we were talking about. If you know that you are drowning in education, if you are suffering from all of the anxieties and all of the difficulties that come in education, then the behavior needs to change. And I think this is a piece that feels really empowering and can give us full agency. We have to be the main characters in our book our parents, our houses, our friends, they cannot be dictating what our book is going to look like and how the end is written. So kind of putting ourselves as a main character and saying, this is just a chapter, but the story doesn't have to end like this. And I think that can be a really empowering feeling of I am in the driver's seat. What is the story going to look like by the end? That's good. That's good information. It's good to remember that and think about it. It's one of those things where as soon as you're reminded, you're like, well, yes, that is true. But it's the things that you, in the heat of the moment or in the heat of the thought that you don't realize and remember. And knowing too, that people's approval of us is part of humanity. So there's nothing wrong with feeling 
like you are affected by people's judgment. Of, of course, we're affected by people's judgment, right? Ultimately, like as children, our number one concern was being loved and nurtured and given attention by our parents. We seek that throughout adulthood too. So understanding it's okay. And can we move through that? Can we navigate through the judgment knowing ultimately they're going to turn you away? Whether you're making the right decision for yourself or you're not. So really trying to become aligned to us and connected, knowing that they're going to judge whether you leave or whether you stay. That sometimes helped me. Yeah. So how long did journey. it take you to get your first position out of education? Like roughly? Yeah. yeah. So we left Spain in June. Actually, no, that's not true. I got here in July. Um, started really job searching. I think September. I was actually, I did a, a paternity leave at a high school nearby that first semester and I subbed. So I was in the, the classroom still. Um so I started really looking in September and then I had gotten the offer from the ed tech company in February. So it was, how many months is that? About five months. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it, it did feel like a long time. Um, I had a little, little bit of income coming in from the subbing, not a lot. We did move <laughs> back in with my parents. We were there for 10 and a half months with my husband. So that was a very challenging time. We were both unemployed. So coming from a very full life in Spain where we had lots of friends and we were exploring the city and traveling through Europe to coming back to the States, living with my parents, both unemployed. It was a really, really tough transition. And we're, we're still navigating that. And luckily I have an amazing partner and he's a, you know, rock solid, but it doesn't make it not hard. Right. For sure. It is a big transition. Wow. Yeah. We talk sometimes about how, you know, as a teacher, we get hired pretty quickly. Within a in the teaching week. world. In the teaching right. world, yeah. And I think one of the the things that is very um, discouraging is the amount of time it takes that mm-hmm. people don't really... Because we, we hear... Jen was quick. I mean, you know, we hear stories about it, but I don't... I, I'm pretty sure that's not the norm. Like, you really do, especially if you don't have the upskill and you haven't really, you know, put yourself in the position of a, the business world. And it's saturated with teachers, Leaving, I mean, more mm-hmm. th- so than it was when Jen was looking, <clears throat> and when we started yeah. our series on leaving education. Um, so I think those are some factors too to let teachers know that there is something else out there for you, but it it can't happen tomorrow. Just like anything good can't be that. I mean, anything good and worth a quality is not going to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in my case, you know, I was set on ed tech sales and. I'm still in that world. I'd still work for the ed tech company, but kind of this other option fell into my lap as I was sure I was going to do some, so something else. So it's kind of like knowing that things will work out. And that is so hard in the moment, right? It's so cliche right. to say like everything happens for a reason. Um, but I think continuing to have that faith and hope and just knowing if I am doing my best and I'm on this path, something good is going to come my way as long as I'm open and I'm giving. And I think a concept that my husband and I always practice is the more we give, especially connecting people or trying to network, or if we know someone is hiring and we have someone good in mind, letting them know that this position is open, that good things will also come to us. And I actually, I truly believe that. And I think that um, keeps you going in times when, you know, it feels really dark. Yeah. Nikki, do you remember who connected us? Was it Claire? I think it was, yes, it was Claire. I talked to Claire. 
Yes. And she and Claire connected. And yes. So lovely. So that, I mean, that's a good thing to, to also keep in mind is that you're going to make connections along the way that may not be the person who is going to be the actual difference maker for you. Um, eventually you will connect with that person who's going to be the difference maker possibly, but that all of the connections that you're gathering as you're on your journey are all important in different ways, right? Like some play a bigger role, some play a smaller role, but it's always nice to know that you have people who have been down that path, even if it's not the exact same path. Um, But that you, you have people kind of, I don't know, sounds corny and cliche, but in your corner, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so I think gathering up those connections as you go and as you network, I would say, um, and this is not probably not where you were going to go, but what do you think about like on social media platforms like LinkedIn mainly? Um, how important is it how you present yourself there? Like I'm talking kind of about the teachers who will post like, I'm a teacher. I can do anything and everything. Mm -hmm. Just give me a chance. And like kind of come in with that air of, for lack of a better word, maybe desperation or like the world owes them something because they've done their time and education. Like what is your advice as you start to navigate networking? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think if we think of it from a role reversal, so for example, if you were an administrator and a salesperson or a marketing person came to you and said, I can do anything, please give me a teacher's jo- a teaching job. Maybe that person truly can do anything and maybe they would be a great teacher, but you can understand why as an administrator, you would have reservations in hiring someone. That's a good point. So kind of... Yeah, it's this oppositional, even though they seem like two completely opposing ideas, knowing that you can do anything and also holding the truth that people are going to have reservations because you don't have a proven track record in that industry. And it's almost this push and pull between constantly having this engine of I can do it and also I understand why there's reservations. I'm going to prove or I'm going to upscale or I'm going to demonstrate to you how I can do this because mm-hmm. we do have something to prove, even though we are all so capable of doing so many things. So, like I said, even though those are two opposing things, holding those two opposing truths at the same time, I think is what is the best balance for teachers that are looking to leave. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good perspective. It really is. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I'm very big proponent of, of mental health and therapy and, um, trying to kind of get a reality check on things um, because I think the other piece of it is that teachers feel like if they make a mistake that they're, they're not worthy um, because we are always, and the thing is, and one of the differences is we're always being observed. And whenever we do make a mistake, it is definitely brought out to our attention, either from an administrator, from a parent or from a student. Like we are, again, we are in a performance job where we have to be on all the time. And it was funny that there was, there's this woman, I think she was on TikTok and she was trying to get student engagement. Um, so she started putting errors in her morning message, like to the middle school or high schoolers, because they'll pick out the error 
because that's keeping them to pay attention. So she purposely puts an mm. error in her, whatever she's doing. So they want to find the error in, and then as a result, they're actually engaged in the lesson. And because they're always looking for that. And um, there aren't that many other mm -hmm. positions where like we've done parodies where, or a TikTok where um, a teacher goes into the business world and we're like, oh, we'll buy our own supplies. Um, do you want me to decorate your door? Um, I never use the bathroom, so <laughs> I'm really good. And um, <laughs> I work for free before and after school. And don't worry about the summers because I have a second job anyway. So we, we kind of put ourselves <laughs> in that position. And then I've done something where, you know, business people come in and we get um, trained to be to standardized tests. And it's just, it's so ridiculous when we do those things, we're taking the teacher out or putting the business person in education. Um, where else do we have someone watching you work and writing on a, on a clipboard? I mean, usually evaluations come with quantifiable with, with sales or whatever, but I mean, it, it is, it is rough. And I, working with teachers, they, they hate when administrators come in and we've got good administrators. It's just daunting because here we go again. I'm going to get watched and being, you know, observed. So I think our, our positives and our negatives are constantly on the forefront. We're always being told about our performance all the time. I think that's a hard thing to, it's a good thing to get out of, but it's a hard thing to get over. Absolutely. And I think when you go into a profession that's not on top of you, sometimes you almost feel yourself wondering constantly how you're thought, doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're so used to either that affirmation or, you know, being told on how to improve that you're like, you have this imposter syndrome because you're thinking, hello, is anyone seeing me? How am I doing? I don't know how I'm doing. And there's a lot of self-doubt that's involved in that. So I think that is a really, really tricky place to go from being always being watched to feel like no one's ever watching you. And that can be scary too. Well, Jen, you're laughing. Can you connect to that? I mean, a little bit. I would say that my, I get, I almost feel like I get noticed more now though. Oh. I mean, but noticed, you know, for, like you said, quantifiable. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you yeah, know, like it's like if you do a good job, right? It, what is she wearing today? Are you wearing jeans? Or you know, it's there's so there's so many stupid levels of concern in this school. Um, that I mean, I think I'm just as good of a teacher wearing jeans as I am if I wore a suit. Like I'm just as good. My Absolutely. teaching ability does not decrease, nor does it devolve because I'm wearing denim. And I, I have to poke fun at it because I'm just like, there's the, the absurdity of things. We don't realize the absurdity of what we're asked to do and the climate in a school when, until we get out of it. And then we're like, oh my God, that, that's a thing. Like, we're, just little things. Um, we always make fun of Red Ribbon Week because we say it does the opposite. It makes everybody want to drink. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think having humor, I mean, I don't know if I could have, mm -hmm. like Jen was my mentor, God, 400 years ago. And the one thing that we've always done is we've always made each other laugh. And mm -hmm. it's to me, like there's things going on in the school that I'm like, we just need to lighten this up a little bit. Like, it's not that bad. Like it, maybe it is, but it, it focusing on it doesn't make it better. Um <laughs> So I think too, like when you were saying that like you're working on your own, I mean, that sounds beautiful just to be on my own and my here working. 
Um, but I do think I would miss the conversations I have with people and and the interactions I have. And um, working remote sounds great, but I think I understand what you're saying. It's kind of a different, it's a completely different world. I was just going to say, I mean, I am working remote, but I am talking to people like literally mm. all day yeah. long. I don't feel disconnected, but I mean, it's it's different being with somebody right than it is being with them on Zoom. But I do feel like I have coworkers that I really truly know and, you and, know, and talk to. Right. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. But it I mean, is it is a little different. Sometimes I'm like, when was the last time I left my house? Yeah, I mean, Jen and I haven't seen it. We've been doing the podcast. This is our third year. We haven't seen each other in 12 years, like physically. So, I mean, wow. if you had like one thing you could tell somebody um, who is struggling, who is wanting to leave, but doesn't feel like he or she has the capability nor the talent and is very down on themselves. How, what what would you say to that person? I would say pick up a pencil, pick up a piece of paper. It's the cheapest therapy you'll ever get. And write down your fears. Write down what it is you're scared of from the tiniest thing. I'm scared I won't. Um, <clears throat> I can't even think of anything right now. But something tiny to something huge. And kind of let those go, allow those to leave your body. Because I think we hold in all of this angst and anxiety. And as soon as we're able to talk about it with someone and someone can witness us and affirm us and say that is okay, and or we can just let it go by writing or sending ourselves a voice memo, just that it's not all bottled up in our head, but it's out of our bodies, it can be extremely therapeutic and healing. Um, and it's kind of starts us on our way to catharsis and having the strength to be able to leave. It is so normal to have fears. And strength comes in navigating those spheres and knowing that there is scariness in leaving anything. Change is really scary. Um, yes. Humans like their routines. We are creatures of habit, just like our dogs. We wake up, mm. we go to the door, we want to be let out. We are the same. And so I think navigating those spheres, knowing that the people around us, when they see a lean on me, they mean it and feel free, feel free in this moment. Even though you've always been a teacher and people have leaned on you, it is your turn. If you are at that place and you are not feeling connected to yourself anymore and you don't feel aligned to who you are, lean on your people, write it out, get your fears out so that it can give you the strength to do what you need to do to find yourself again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good advice. Do you? So, how would somebody find you if they wanted to be one of your new like clients? If they were looking to find you because they felt like you could help guide them through their teacher transition or any changes in their lives, where would they get you at? Yeah, um, I am part of a private practice called Ace Counseling Group. So, unfortunately, I can only see Illinois residents because we're okay. all licensed. It's like a teaching license. I can only yep. teach in the state of Illinois. So Illinois residents, um, if you have insurance and if you don't, you can go to acecounselors.com and you will find me there. My name is Nikki Padrone Glass. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, I'm slower responsive wise these days because I'm not on LinkedIn as much, but I can connect with you there. And um, it's been a real joy working with all kinds of people. And I would love to add some teachers or former teachers to my practice, especially because I can really relate and identify and mm -hmm. I oh, get yeah. the struggle. 
Um, That's so, so important. We don't have enough of that. I would be happy to, to work with anyone. Yeah, that's that was awesome. Very, it's one of a very good conversation, and we've really not touched on the mental health piece of it too much, which is very important. So we appreciate your input, and mm-hmm. um, I know that your practice will grow with all of the support you're giving people. And um, hopefully, we can catch up again and uh, yeah. say if you get some more clients and you know more strategies, just let us know. Yeah, for sure. Thank you both so much. This has been um, such a dream. Jen, you've been so supportive throughout this Aww. whole transition process. Kim, it was lovely to meet you. And I think what you two you. are doing here is um, is such important work. And you're really paving the way for other teachers. So thank you for giving me space Aww. and for having this space for teachers to rely on. Thank you oh, so much. We appreciate best. it. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone. Okay. Stay twisted. But, but healthy. <laughs> healthy twisted. Stay healthy. A healthy twisted. Stay healthy. Right. I like it. Right, bye. bye. Take care. Bye, bye. Nikki.